You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Well, good evening, everybody. It's great to have you here with us tonight, and I want to welcome all those who are listening online. And if I can give a quick plug for our Christmas production, uh, if you're listening online and you're in the area on the 9th of December at 5 p.m. here at our Ipswich location on the corner of Pring and Roderick Street, we have an outstanding Christmas production and would love for you to come along and be part of that. Tonight we're going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus on divorce and the implications of that in, on our lives here in the 21st century. Uh, now, for some, this could be a difficult experience. You might even get a little angry, and you could well have good justification for that. I'm just going to ask one thing of you, that you don't close your mind down. You don't just close off to what is being said. You hang on till the end. I mean, from my point of view, it would be much easier if Jesus himself could come and do, do this, and then... I'd ask you, do you want to have Jesus back? And most of you would say, no, he's too hardcore. And uh, I can understand that. You say, no, give us Pastor Tim. He's, he's much better. Uh, we wouldn't probably have Jesus back. But unfortunately, Jesus isn't here tonight. This is an issue that he covers. And so we are going to try to work with his teachings as best that we can. I will say that Jesus would often speak in such a way it was like a wall of fire. And many people would turn away. But for those who didn't, to those, as he said, who had ears to hear, to those who would digest what he said, work through the uncomfortable stages of it, take it on the chin, they would eventually discover a nugget of truth. And tonight, if you can hang in here, I think you'll discover something incredibly valuable and precious about marriage. These teachings that Jesus gives were of no major problem to the early church. Uh, they didn't think that you could get unmarried as much as they didn't think you could get unsaved because they saw the relationship between husband and wife as a reflection between God and his church. And a lot of people were attracted to Christianity because of this fact. Women saw it as a very safe place because Roman culture was a very unsafe place particularly for women. Um, rich men would have women coming and going, have slaves and do whatever they want with, who, with whoever they want for whatever reason they wanted. And uh, they didn't really give much for the institution of marriage. It was an optional extra, but not for the Christians. They got married and they stayed married. But then, of course, 300 years odd later, Christianity becomes the state religion. And what, inevitab what inevitably happens when uh, religion and politics come together is that people start looking for loopholes. How can I get what I want but still be okay with others, with God and the church? There must be a loophole in here somewhere. And from that moment to this, we have what we're dealing with today where the institution of marriage is in disrepair, I may suggest, in our society today it's in a shocking situation and that's not thanks to the, the plebiscite of a, of a year ago I, I suggest or even the fundamental overhaul of the marriage act of the 70s I, I believe that that's due to the church walking away from this fundamental truth that we're going to discover because it was simply too 
impractical. This is how impractical it was. Let, let me tell you what the disciples said. At the end of Jesus' teaching on divorce, from Matthew 19.10, when Jesus finished talking, the disciples said, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. Now, Jesus didn't say, no, 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 you've misunderstood. It's not that hard. It's not that bad. Jesus basically said, and I paraphrase, some people can't handle the truth and basically walked off. He didn't tell his disciples they were wrong. He just said it's hard for some to accept the truth. Before we get to that teaching of Matthew 19, I want to read to you the extreme and crazy stuff that Jesus said in this this um, sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. It, it really is extreme. It's, it's reality the way God sees it. This is, this is the values of the kingdom of God. It's the way God views reality. And uh, I've got to tell you, it is, it is tough stuff. Jesus says this in Matthew 5.27. You've heard the commandments that say, you must not commit adultery, but I say, Anyone who even looks upon a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh boy, that's pretty hardcore. I think Jesus just made an adulterer. The very male, not just in this room, but every male who's listening to my voice wherever you are tonight, he goes on and says this. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body then for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now we have a bucket at the back there where you can put your eyes on the way out. He goes on and says, and your hand, even your strong hand causes you to sin. I guess that means your right hand if you're right-handed or your left hand if you're left-handed. Even if that causes you to sin, cut it off. I mean, this is really extreme. Cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Uh, excuse me Jesus I've got a question I'm a carpenter I need both my hands Jesus doesn't stop for questions he just keeps motoring on he says you've heard the law that says now you'd be thinking no Jesus no no more you've heard it but I say every time you say that it becomes almost impossible Jesus says you've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce but I say that a man who divorces him, his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery he's got to be kidding hasn't he so if this woman here has been divorced for five years and sees someone and, and, and you that this is, this is adultery Jesus you don't understand adultery that's when a married woman and married men Anyway, he goes on, he says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out your vows, the vows that you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth, because earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my head for you can't turn one white hair or black which clearly they never had just the men back then 
just say a simple yes I will or no I won't anything beyond this is from the evil one wow I mean what is Jesus covering with all that material one of the responses to what he just said came from the Pharisees because the Pharisees were always looking for a way to unseat him to, to, to uh, uh, show that he wasn't from God and he contradicted Moses because Moses had said that you can divorce your wife say three times I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you so the Pharisees thought well we've got him here he's just contradicted Moses we know Moses is from God we're not sure who he's from so they come back at him a couple of chapters later chapter 19 verse 3 with a question designed to unseat Jesus as somebody who could be the son of God it says this so the Pharisees came tried to trap him with this question should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason they're looking for loopholes back in that day there were two strong schools of thought um, you could divorce your wife by saying three times as I said I divorce you I divorce you I divorce you. I don't know whether you've ever heard someone say, that's once, that's twice. Thank you. That's three times you're done. Well, this is where it comes from. Uh, then there was another school of thought that basically said, well, you can only get divorced prior to the, to, to the marriage. In those days, you were betrothed. And to break that betrothal, there needed to be some formal certificate you might be familiar with the Christmas story where it says Joseph was considering to put her away. Um, he was going to break off the marriage. That was considered back then as uh, um, tantamount to a divorce. And, uh, and it, wasn't a, uh, it wasn't that the marriage was broken. It wasn't even necessarily a clear, strong reason. It was just that we were suspicious about certain behaviors. So we want to call this in what we would define as an engagement off but they would actually define this as a divorce and so you had these two kind of extreme views I suppose and probably all the way in the middle so they're looking for Jesus to make clarity for us the great teacher clear this up for us and listen to what Jesus has to say he says haven't you read the scriptures <laughs> now he's talking to the most educated people in all of Israel these people just hadn't read the scriptures. They'd memorized the scriptures. Then Jesus said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. So he goes back past the Levitical law, the law of Moses. He goes back to the beginning. He says, God created male and female. And he says in chapter uh 19 verse 5 this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one since they are no longer two but one let no one split apart what god has joined together he he, he says let's go right the way back and we're going to see that sex is more than a physical act that marriage is more than a honeymoon and a license 
Now, we all know that infidelity destroys relationships. It always is a difficult thing for anybody to climb over because it is more than just a physical act and everybody knows it. Jesus says it's the uniting together of two people spiritually. Two people become one. These guys trying to find if, if it's permissible and Jesus' response is I'm not even sure it's possible we want to look for reasons or what about abuse and what about infidelity but before we get to the detail Jesus is saying I'm going to take you to the reality you must recognize that this is how God sees it the two become one Pharisees respond and why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away we can't argue with his logic because they knew that's what the Bible did say in the beginning a man will leave his mother and father and be cleaved unto his wife and two become one flesh they knew that that was in the beginning of the whole human story so now they come back to argue Moses and Jesus says this Moses permitted divorce only as a concession for your hard heart but it was not what God had originally intended and I tell you this whoever divorces his wife he goes back to the same idea whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery lest the wife has been unfaithful he basically says the only reason why Moses permitted divorce was because of your hard hearts, because of you men, because a woman back then had no status, no income without her man. And, and so she, they were very much, uh, wives were very much at, at the discretion of the, uh, of the man in the relationship. And if he was treating her like dirt or he decided to not provide for her anymore because he was displeased with her, then he could give her the certificate of divorce. She could go back to her father or maybe to a brother or even a cousin and say, here, I've been kicked out. I'm not playing the harlot. I, I've been sent away. Well, I need somebody to provide food and lodgings for me. And so because of the way they treated women, Moses gave this concession for divorce. That's where it came from. And then Jesus says, anyone who divorces their wife except for uh, unfaithfulness that the word there is um, the same word whereby we derive our English word pornography from poinia it's a, a Greek word and it's it's not really a um, <coughs> uh, just the, the actual act of sex between a husband between a man and a, a woman it, it, it can be uh, it's, it's a broader concept than that um, but the bigger question that Jesus poses here is can a piece of paper un-one somebody? And that's when the disciples said, if this is the case, it's better not to, not to marry. Which Jesus said, not everybody can accept this statement. Only those whom God helps. Now, I don't want anybody to think that we're picking on people who've been divorced, that Jesus is picking on people who've been divorced I want to put this into the broader character, the broader character 
and the, uh, the full understanding of the teachings of Jesus because one day a woman caught in adultery comes and is thrown before him and he doesn't condemn her. He doesn't explain it away. He doesn't say, well, you know, I understand. Your father left you when you were just small and your husband's treated you so badly, so come on, it wasn't that bad. I Just don't do it again. Um, he, he simply says to her, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He doesn't validate any excuses but then neither does he condemn her he doesn't indicate that he's mad with her that he's angry with her in fact i suggest he tells her not to do it because she's hurting herself jesus didn't come into the world to, the, to condemn the world now within the context of marriage oneness is the result of marriage not the goal of marriage not that you have a goal to be one with that person it is simply the result of the marriage act and the truth is the truth is you know this to be true particularly if you've been divorced because that first marriage that keeps coming up you know that you got that certificate of divorce and that wasn't the end of it it wasn't the end of the issues it wasn't the end of those feelings those feelings and those issues have continued to follow you and, and you know that you know that's true because it is how do you unwind how do you take two eggs and create one batch of scrambled eggs and then say okay now we're going to create the two. how do you unscramble scrambled eggs how do you unwind one Jesus is not condemning people but he is drawing us to this truth so you see if, that, if that's the case what should i do what are the implications for me well if you're not married it's important for you to understand what marriage is it's not just a license and a honeymoon it's two people becoming one flesh if you're looking to get married to fulfill yourself you will destroy yourself and that other person. It's more than just an acceptable way to live with somebody else and somehow make you feel like you're valuable. I mean, I'm not a huge Oprah fan, but I've got to give her this. Oprah's not married because she says, I don't want to lose who I am. Well, the only thing I can say to that is at least Oprah's got some concept of what marriage does. Because two people... They have to lose something to become one. And in a world that worships the individualistic sense of self, in this myopic world, marriage is an increasingly difficult concept. What is difficult is two losing their identities to become one. If you're not married, understand that. Number two, what if I'm divorced and I'm remarried? Am I living in adultery? Well, if you look at the tense and the Greek behind that little passage, it's, I'm not convinced that, this, that the sex is the point of the adultery as much as it is the marriage itself. But I would say this, that Paul says, whatsoever state you're in, stay there. Um, 
So don't use this as an excuse to cut out of your next marriage. Don't say, well, you know, I'm really still married to the first guy, so heck, you know, I've now got a scripture and I've now got a sermon, so uh, I'm see, see you later. No, don't, don't take that approach. Uh, if you are in a second marriage or even a third marriage, the best thing you can do is stay there and work through those issues and make this relationship work. Well, you might say, if I'm divorced, where do I stand in relation to this church? Well, I'll tell you where you stand. You stand alongside the rest of us adulterers in desperate need of God's grace. You see, what you need to do is to cry out to God for His grace. See, some of you right now... Maybe you'd like to send me an email or, or, or uh, get up here and grab the mic and say, you, know, you don't understand my situation. In my situation, my divorce was justified because he did this and she did this and she blah, 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 blah. You know what you need to do? Stop justifying. Just recognize the difficultness of the situation and say, you know something? I have fallen short of it. And then receive God's grace. You see, Jesus always increases the standard. But whenever he increases the standard, he always deepens the grace. We like to do the opposite. What we like to do is we like to lower the standard and say, well, okay, well, no, no, you have an acceptable excuse. and No, well, okay, you're okay. Lower the standard, but then also reduce the grace and say, well, if you go over that, then, then you're out. That's not the way... Jesus functioned. Jesus always increased the standard, but he always matched that by a deepening of the grace. And how you stand before God, no matter who you are, no matter what state you're in, no matter what you've done or haven't done, the way you stand before God is not to make excuses, not to define yourself as a mistaker, but as a sinner. You acknowledge the fact that that was perfection. You understand that was only put there for our betterment, for, for our uh, well-being. We've fallen short of that. We need God's grace. And that's what you do. You ask Him for grace for your circumstance, grace for your current situation. God can take the most diabolical of situations and bring good out of it. I mean, look at David and Bathsheba for crying out loud. You know, David's ogling off this naked woman in the bath across the rooftops from, from the palace. He finds out that her husband's fighting his war. He goes and he, he has sex with her. He gets her pregnant, tries to cover his tracks by having him sent back from the front lines, but he won't go into his own wife, so has him killed. I mean, what a terrible set of circumstances. But out of all that, a baby is born, and that baby has a name, Solomon, who became the wisest king that ever lived and the line of Jesus. God can bring something good out of the most diabolical situation. So what you need to do, folks, is simply cry out to God for His grace in the middle of your circumstances. Could you imagine 
if we took this whole idea of two becoming one flesh and if that became the foundation stone of the way we live our lives my goodness what a world we would live in where we knew that sex was more than physical and marriage was more than a license and a honeymoon where we viewed human sexuality and 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 human dignity through the eyes of god what a safe and whole world we would live in maybe it's true and maybe it rings true in your heart and maybe you are one of the ones who's going to start a revolution a revolution of oneness where two people come together as one and they stay as one as long as life lasts as god intended it to be and everybody who's listening to my voice knows if we stuck by that one idea such a large percentage the world's dysfunction would dissipate and go away thank you for listening to this podcast 